Welcome to Egg Annex Talks, a podcast brought to you by the agriculture brands of Annex Business Media. Join the teams behind Top Crop Manager, Potatoes in Canada, Fruit and Vegetable, Manure Manager, and Canadian Poultry Magazines for compelling conversations with some of the most important voices in Canadian agriculture. Bayer believes in recognizing and promoting women across every facet of Canadian agriculture. Whether it's supporting the next generation of female farmers or lending space on our website to help female-led businesses build their brands and products, Bayer believes in continuing to farm for change and for a better future with women in agriculture. And, of course, Bayer is very proud to support influential women in Canadian agriculture. Hi, and welcome to the first edition of this year's Influential Women in Canadian Agriculture podcast series. Now in its fourth year, this program recognizes professionals who are advancing the industry, inspiring others, and working together. Our first episode features a conversation between Kelly Dainert, Executive Director of Farm and Food Care Ontario, and myself, Brett Ruffle, editor of Canadian Poultry Magazine. In her longtime role as a public trust advocate, Kelly shares meaningful stories and information to consumers to broaden their understanding of Canadian food and farming. This includes bringing people to farms both in person and virtually. She also introduces Canadians to the people behind their food, and she goes above and beyond her role to further help her industry and her community. In the conversation ahead, learn about some of her proudest achievements, biggest challenges, her thoughts on the future of farming, and more. Let's talk to Kelly. To start off, so congratulations on this recognition. Thank you very much. Can you start by telling us a little bit about your background in agriculture? Sure. So I um, I do not have a direct path to what I'm doing. In fact, it couldn't probably be more indirect. I, uh, I was raised on a corn, wheat and soybean farm just outside of Guelph, Ontario. And uh, my parents still live on that family farm. I, I loved growing up on a farm. I you know probably complained about all the normal things that farm kids complain about in terms of picking stones and cleaning out chicken coops. And, and I didn't picture myself working in agriculture after high school. I had always wanted to be a newspaper reporter and uh, that was the career path I was set on. So I went to Wilfrid Laurier University uh, and that's where I probably started feeling a little bit like a fish out of water. I I liked the program. I liked the content that I was studying, but I just, I wasn't feeling 100% in my own skin there. And I had an amazing university professor who loved the fact that I came from a farm. And uh, when I came to work on my final honors thesis, I was really str- struggling to figure out you know, what I was going to do in terms of writing this final paper. And uh, he knew I loved Thomas Hardy. Thomas Hardy was a British novelist from a couple hundred years ago. So he actually had me write a thesis on agricultural imagery in Thomas Hardy novels. And so it combined my love of writing and communications and my love of agriculture. And I give him credit to this day for probably helping kind of set me on a little bit more of a direct path. 
From there, I went to uh, uh, to a small town newspaper in Ontario where I did work as the as a, a local reporter, a small town reporter photographer. And it was my editor there who noticed that I kept getting annoyed when other reporters got their facts wrong on farm stories. And he finally said, oh, for crying out loud, Daynard, you might as well just be our farm reporter. And anyway, there it started. So I was there for a number of years and, and did all of their farm reporting and then moved into agricultural communications uh, in about 19, let me guess, 1998, uh, working for the Ontario Cattlemen's Association. And then I came to Farm and Food Care about 19 years ago. So my family still kind of laughs about the girl who was never going to get into agriculture. And I had a bit of a zigzag route to get here, but I wouldn't trade it for anything. Yeah, so you had an interesting background to set you up for this unique role that you're in now. Absolutely. I mean, I've, I've always loved writing and uh, and certainly that was my passion. And here I get to do that and a whole lot more. Yeah, and you do find a lot of people in news business do end up venturing into communications too, right? Absolutely. Yeah, that that small town paper. I mean, if anybody's getting a start, it's an, it's an amazing way to, uh, you know, to get your byline in print and to cover a diverse range of topics. And and yeah, I wouldn't have traded that start for anything. I'm very grateful for it. So can you talk a little bit about your current role now and sort of what a typical day look, looks like for you? Sure. So I am. I have been with Farm and Food Care for about 19 years. I I spent most of that as uh, the organization's communications manager, and then I moved into this executive director role uh, just about six years ago. I love the fact that no two days are the same here, and in 19 years that has been very much the case. So uh, the winter months we are very busy attending uh, you know, trade shows across Ontario, whether it's meetings of our member organizations, you know, Dairy Farmers of Ontario, Chicken Farmers of Ontario, Grain Farmers of Ontario, or farm shows, talking to uh, farmers and those in the industry about what we do. And then come the middle of April, when farmers get back out into the field, we go full speed into all of our events and activations for the year. So we run uh, we are an ag education organization. I guess I should back up and say that. So our mandate is to answer consumers' questions about where their food comes from. So uh, then throughout the rest of the year, we are busy with events called Breakfast on the Farm, where we'll feed 2,500 people breakfast on a glorious Saturday morning. Uh, we do bus tours for registered dietitians and culinary colleges and food influencers. Um, we We'll start filming in a couple of weeks our new virtual reality tours for the year. We've got a couple of line of them lined up because we have a whole virtual series of resources so people can tour farms without getting their boots dirty. And then for me, it's a lot of uh, I do a lot of member relations work, too. So training for farmers, media training, speak up training, social media training. Um, I love getting out and uh, and meeting people in this industry. Yeah, I noticed a big part of your role seems to be uh, bringing the public onto farms, either virtually or in person. Um, can you talk a little bit about some of those projects and why you think they're important? 
You know what, if I, I've always said, and I, and I did a workshop yesterday, and I've always said that if we could take every single person in this country out to a farm, there would be no need for organizations like Farm and Food Care. And I think that would be a good problem to have. So, you know, in the case of um, our culinary colleges, these students, uh, when they graduate, they really know how to cook and they are going into, you know, restaurant chains and, and hotels and things like that, but they don't have a sense of where that product comes from. So we really want to help build those connections so that when they are doing menu prepping in their careers ahead, that they have a much greater understanding of where the food comes from that they're prepping. It's the same thing we do with registered dietitians or cookbook authors or chefs or um, recipe developers, you know, these people are in such a place of influence for um, talking to people about food. And it would be amazing if they all had a really, you know, greater appreciation of where did that carrot come from? Or how is that chicken breast prepared? So a lot of our work goes into that. But we also, I mean, we're a tiny little Canadian charity. We have nine staff here in Ontario, and then we have staff in Saskatchewan and PEI as well. We cannot physically take every single Canadian to a farm. So then it's, uh, you know, we have a virtual reality website. We've got about 28 or 30 Canadian farms and food processing facilities up there. So people can actually go just in the comfort of their own laptop or computer or phone and, um, and tour a farm virtually. So kind of all of those projects connect together, we hope, uh, to give people a much greater um, ability to reach out and ask a farmer where their food comes from, because we have always believed that if you want to know where your food comes from, why wouldn't you go straight to the source? And so we want to be that person helping find that source. So what are some of the common reactions people get when you bring them onto a farm for the first time? We um with the students, I'll I'll talk about them for a minute. You, you know, you you see these uh, 21 and 22 year olds and they get on a bus in the morning and they're, you know, they're kind of happy for a day out of school, but they're not really sure what they what what's in store for the day. And then you see those aha moments coming and you, you know, you see them, you know, touch an animal for the first time or taste that canola oil or you know we had a farmer a few years ago do a sweet corn tasting demonstration so when the students got off the bus they tried several different varieties and and so we 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 pull them at the beginning of the day we ask them a bunch of survey questions and then we ask them the same questions at the end of the day and it is absolutely dazzling to me, you know, how far their understanding and appreciation comes in a, you know, an eight hour window of time. So, I, yeah, I love those moments. I love our breakfast on the farm moments when you see somebody meet a farmer for the first time. There was a lady a few years ago. She came up to me at one of our events and she said, I've never met a real farmer. And I said, oh my gosh, like today is your lucky day because there are a hundred of them here. And she found me at the end of the day and just told me what an awesome time she had had. And she says, I'm hosting a dinner party tonight and they're going to be really tired of my learnings by the time they go home. And, and I love moments like that where you just, you see them making a connection to the food and the people who produce that food. And, and you know that you're making a difference kind of one person at a time if that doesn't sound too hokey. Do you find those experiences maybe dispel some common myths people have about farming? 
every, every day. And, you know, I mean, it does, it doesn't matter the day uh, or the conversation we're having, you know, we still answer a lot of tough questions. You know, the, the big four topics have long been, you know, GMOs and, and crop protection and antibiotics and hormones. We answer those, but it can be a lot more simple. Um, we had a fabulous conversation on a bus uh, a few years ago about soil types because a farmer had been talking about how challenging their soil type was. I think he had clay and, and you know, farming in, in kind of a deep clay situation. And this woman put up her hand and said, well, if you don't like your soil type, why wouldn't you change it? And, you know, they had no idea, first of all, that there was more than one soil type. And I guess for them, if they live in a condo building in, in downtown Toronto, changing your soil type means, you know, putting a new bag of topsoil in that you've bought at Walmart. So we had that amazing conversation. And, and so many of my conversations, um, you know, they start really high level. I talk about the farm that I grew up on. And, and then you get to those They've never met somebody that works in agriculture or they've never met a farmer. So then they ask more and more and more questions. And, oh, my gosh, you can have some of the most fascinating discussions with people on the most simple of topics. And now a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by FCC, gold sponsor of the Influential Women in Canadian Agriculture Recognition Program. You're behind Canadian food. FCC is behind you. To learn more, visit FCC.ca. And you've led a few interesting projects in terms of uh, introducing the public to the people behind their food. Um, can you talk a little bit about those programs? Like I found the faces behind food and the more than a migrant worker to be interesting. Yeah. So uh, I guess I was long a fan of the Humans of New York social media campaign where it's just a guy wandering the streets in New York interviewing people he comes across and and I again I am I totally wear my heart on my sleeve when it comes to agriculture but I just think every single person in agriculture has an amazing story to tell and that person that urban consumer that we're trying to reach probably thinks of the primary producer you know a, a farmer uh, but they don't think about all of the other people directly related to that so uh, Faces Behind Food is a social media campaign we do on uh, Instagram and Facebook. We tell two stories a week about people across Canadian agriculture. So it could be the new immigrant uh, that is working in an egg processing facility, or it could be a fellow who's been a hoof trimmer for his entire year or, or his entire career, or it could be a milk truck driver, or it could be a chef. Um, you know, agriculture is so diverse. So we have set out to tell those stories and, and they get some really great traction. We interviewed um, um, a new Canadian a couple of years ago who works at a mushroom, one of Canada's biggest mushroom farms. And he had just, he and his wife had just immigrated from India and he was working in this mushroom facility. And we posted his profile on uh, Faces Behind Food well, he got involved in the comments and there were hundreds of comments on his post, welcoming him to Canada, inviting him and his wife over for dinner. Um, I think we gained about 200 followers from India that week, which also made me smile. But then that project also morphed into a, a side project called More Than a Migrant Worker, which we work on with the Ontario Fruit and Vegetable Growers. 
early days of COVID, uh, you know, Canada depends on seasonal workers to come here and, and grow our fruits and vegetables. We wouldn't have them without them. A, they weren't getting here due to borders being closed. And B, when they were here, people weren't understanding how critical they were. And uh, some of them were getting some pretty negative treatment in their communities. So we started this More Than a Migrant Worker project where we're going out to farms, interviewing those seasonal workers from, from the Caribbean, from Mexico, talking about how important their careers are to their families back home, but then also talking about the role they play. I mean, I would not have asparagus right now in my local farmer's market without those lovely people harvesting it right now. So anyway, we've started that project that has uh, that has gained some incredible traction. And so it's really the story of the seasonal workers in Canada in their own words. And uh, I think it gives them a real sense of pride in the work they're doing as well. It sort of leads into my next question is I know you've had to deal with a lot of big challenges in recent years. Um, do any challenges stand out as being particularly difficult and uh, how did you overcome those? So I would say that um, in terms of farm and food care, our biggest challenge is also is always funding. Uh, you know, the sky's the limit on what we can do, but we are, uh, again, a tiny little Canadian charity. We are funded by farmers and commodity groups and agribusinesses and um, and so we're always you know looking for the next dollar that helps shape the work that we do. Um, I think the pandemic was obviously our biggest challenge. We rely really heavily on FaceTime with people. You know, we're at the Canadian National Exhibition. We're at the Royal Winter Fair. We're putting people on buses. 50 people at a time were hosting those big events. And obviously March, 2020, all of that ended. Where I'm really proud of us, and by us, I mean the entire farm and food care team, staff and board, is the, the ability that our team showed to, um, to come up with some really creative situations and solutions to that not being able to see people in real life. So very early in COVID, some of my team came up with the idea of having virtual field trips. So we can't put people on a bus and take them to a farm, but everybody's got a smartphone. So we partnered with our sister group in Ontario called Agscape. They're the Ag in the Classroom people. And, uh, you know, farmers with a smartphone would host live field trips. You know, they're just walking through the barn recording and answering live questions as they come in. That was an amazing way to keep reaching consumers and school groups who were looking for online learning. And I think there was one sheep farm tour. We had 5,000 people tune in live. So what an easy and amazing way. It cost nothing. You know, it cost the farmer's time for a 20 minute, you know, tour through his or her barn. But I, I love where farm and food care got to during COVID. Um, I don't think we would have gotten there unless we had been forced to, we will always kind of love those in-person events, but the ability to, I hate the word pivot, but the ability to pivot and um, to shift to that virtual touring while we had to really, really served us well. And I think showed the industry that we were, we were able to be nimble and, you know, the team here is amazingly creative. Okay. What would you say is your proudest achievement or like the defining moment of your career? 
Well, and, and so, you know, going back to what was the biggest challenge, probably us surviving COVID and coming out of it probably stronger than ever is, is a really proud defining thing for me right now. We've got the most amazing team here at Farm and Food Care, and I am just one of them. Um, I, our board of directors is also an amazing extension of the staff work we do. We, I, I always stand, take a couple of minutes at every breakfast on the farm just to stand back and take a survey of the, the scene in front of me and think, oh my gosh, we did this. And uh, I've always loved that my, our board of directors is as in as the staff are. So, you know, somebody's changing a garbage can, somebody's driving a gator. You never know whether that's staff or a board member. They are just all in for all the right reasons. But Farm and Food Care has come out of the pandemic stronger than ever. We're doing some amazing work nationally with our sister groups in Saskatchewan and Prince Edward Island. And I think people, maybe 10 years ago, people had heard about some of our projects, but they didn't know that it was Farm and Food Care that published that Real Dirt on Farming booklet as an example. And now, you know, people seem to know us. They know what we do uh, at the Royal Winter Fair or the CNE or when our sister group goes to Agribition. People are coming up and really engaging with us. We're having more and more farmers reach out to us saying, hey, if you need us to host a tour or if you have a project you think we'd fit in, reach out anytime. So I think that awareness of what we do and then the support of what we do is, is continuing to grow as well. So those make me really proud, but uh, certainly with a growing consumer base, there's a lot more work to be done and, and uh, you know, we're always going to be busy here. So some of those changes and the adaptations you made during COVID, those are things that you're going to hold on to and grow. Absolutely. So if you look at our business plan now, I love that we're kind of equally dispersed in kind of three areas. So one would still be those traditional print publications, that Real Dirt on Farming booklet. I think we've put about 5 million copies of that out across Canada in the last 15 years, and we'll have a new booklet out this fall. And so there still seems to be a need for that old-fashioned print resource. And then in-person events, we love doing them. We're good at doing them, and people people respond and come but then that virtual space too it is it is a space that costs almost nothing and uh, if you can if you can tour a a beef farm on Manitoulin Island and then a grain farm in Saskatchewan and then maybe something in uh, Prince Edward Island all from the comfort of your home you know just watching on a on a screen that sort of uh, ability to do things like that virtually also just really expands our reach and and are way more economical than say bringing 2500 people to a farm and what's the best piece of career advice you've ever received? Um, aside from that newspaper editor all the way back in the day saying, Dana, do you might as well just be our farm reporter? Because um, because that was pretty good advice. I I think I've I've had some great mentors in this industry over the years. And I think that the number one piece of advice I was given early on is to be your authentic, true self. And, you know, I will never apologize for wearing my heart on my sleeve when it comes to Canadian agriculture. And uh, I think if you work for an organization like Farm and Food Care, 
we're a bit of a unique beast. And uh, I've always said that a career like this is much more of a cause than a career. And, uh, you know, I think when people people want to meet somebody that works at farm and food care and they want to know that our hearts are all into agriculture. And so, yeah, being authentic and showing that true self of yours at all times has uh, is is kind of the number one piece of advice I'd give anybody. And what keeps you excited about agriculture? <laughs> Everything. I um I I get excited about the fact that every day I'm still learning something new. And uh, you know, we work in this in this incredible industry. We feed our country, but the diversity of Canadian agriculture is absolutely outstanding. And uh you know, one day I can be interviewing a beekeeper and the next day, you know, you're talking about challenges in the fruit sector. And this morning I had an email from a cranberry grower um, who's helping me with a project coming up. Um, the Bison Association just joined Farm and Food Care. So we've been learning a bit more about bison um, and then all of the commodities that people take more for granted, you know, the beef industry, the dairy farmers, sheep farmers. So I love that every day I'm talking about a different sector of agriculture. My um, my friends joke that I'm the queen of useless agricultural trivia because I, I can't help myself by peppering conversations with what I've learned this week. But I think that you could work in this industry your entire life and never stop learning or never never stop getting those, wow, I didn't know that moments. And so for me, that keeps me really, really excited because there's just, there's so much to talk about and this industry keeps shifting and growing and changing. And um, yeah, I can't wait to see what's ahead. Yeah, speaking of what's ahead, so what would you like to see more over the next, say, five to 10 years? Um, if, if I could see a farm and food care in every province in this country by the time I retire, I, that would make me really happy. I, our sister group in Saskatchewan is doing some increasingly great work in West, Western Canada, and our sister group in Prince Edward Island is uh, is doing some great work down there. But I really feel a need for an organization like Farm and Food Care in all provinces. I think that a group like ours gets added credibility with consumers because we're not selling anything. So I'm not selling bacon. I'm not selling chicken breasts. I'm not selling canola oil. Um, I'm just in the business of providing information. And so I think that consumers and the audiences that we attract really value that because I am I'm not going to tell them what to buy or how to buy I'm just going to give them a bit more information so that they can go to the grocery store with a bit of an educated knowledge so I'd love to see um, groups like this develop in 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 the other provinces I think that would be um, a really really good thing for Canadian agriculture Okay, and I know you've gone above and beyond your role in a lot of ways. Can you talk a bit about some of the extra industry work you've done and that you've been involved with? Well, yeah, I'm always, uh, yeah, I've always been kind of passionate about volunteering as well. 
Um, early days, I guess one of those great pieces of advice that somebody gave me in my early days of my career was to join the Canadian Farm Writers Federation. And uh, I didn't even know in those early days that farm writer was a thing, but I joined the Eastern Canadian Farm Writers and then I joined the Canadian Farm Writers Federation. Um, by doing that, I met some amazing people, you know, both full-time agricultural journalists and agricultural communication specialists like me, um, who do this work of talking about food and farming across the country. I also then, about 15 years ago, won a scholarship that took me to the International Federation of Agricultural Journalists. And that first conference that I went to was in Austria. And I sat at the first dinner table with people from five continents uh, at my table. And you were like, oh, my goodness, I've got international people. I just didn't know they existed. So I've gotten really active in the International Federation of Agricultural Journalists, too. That conference is in a different country every year. And what an amazing way to see the world and talk about issues, you know, water issues that are much broader than, than in Canada, but you hear what's going on in Australia and South Africa. Um, the other group that I've really um, gotten involved in here in Ontario is the Ontario Agricultural Hall of Fame. Um, I am currently the past president of that, and I love the work that the Hall of Fame does both provincially, and there's an amazing national organization, to um, to celebrate the leaders who have come before us because uh, you know we're all working um, following in the path of some amazing pioneers who have done some some wonderful work in Canada. So um, that Hall of Fame work and that Canadian Farm Writer IFHA work has uh, have been two really interesting avenues for me. And why do you think it's important to celebrate the achievements of women in ag? Well, I, I'm, you know, I'm flattered and honored to receive this, uh, this recognition. I guess I've never really thought of myself as a woman in agriculture. I have thought of myself as a person working in agriculture, and I've, I've never really differentiated between the role that women do and, and men do. But having said that, you know, I think, um, there are some just amazing women from coast to coast to coast in this country uh, that are maybe doing some more behind the scenes work. Uh, and uh, if if recognition, if if an award like this celebrates those those unsung heroes, then uh, I'm absolutely for it. But I guess, yeah, I've never tried to be defined as a woman working in agriculture because um, I, there's just tens of thousands of amazing people doing what I do in uh, in all of their different spheres. All right, so last question. So do you have any hidden talents? Hidden talents? Oh my goodness. Uh, I think I am really great with people, but that's probably not a hidden talent. I love um, meeting people and learning their stories. Um, the one thing I do outside of agricultural work is uh, I'm a historical tour guide. So I um, I love learning about old buildings and the people that came before me in the city that I live in. So um, um, a side gig of mine is uh, serving as a volunteer historical tour guide in the city of Guelph. And uh, on weekends, you'll find me uh, wandering the streets with uh, people who have booked tours through the Guelph Arts Council talking about the the fabulous people that came in Guelph hundreds of years before I was here. So 
if that's a hidden talent, that is another side passion of mine that uh, falls very far outside of the agricultural sphere. Interesting. So um, yeah, thanks a lot for your time. And that's about all my questions. That's great. Thank you for the, um, again, thank you for the recognition. I uh, I was absolutely speechless when the email came in because I hadn't even known I'd been nominated. So uh, um, yeah, this is this is good profile for the wonderful organization that I work in and uh, and for the amazing coworkers I work with. All right, well, thanks a lot and take care. Thanks so much. Thanks for tuning in to Ag Annex Talks, the podcast hosted by the agriculture brands of Annex Business Media. You can subscribe to Ag Annex Talks wherever you listen to podcasts or visit eggannex.com to catch up on all of our other episodes.